Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to go back to Romans chapter 8. This morning we were... Um, talking about one of the directives that the Lord has given me concerning our preparation that we would be prepared because we are entering into a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And we saw some things about walking in the Spirit this morning, didn't we? We were, the, we were schooled by the Holy Spirit in some areas that we can all gain a greater proficiency in, where we are walking in the Spirit, in the walk of faith. And we are looking specifically at that first uh, instruction he said to know the leading of the Holy Spirit with a certainty. He wants us to be so proficient, so skilled, so familiar with Him, His leading, His voice, that we, are, we don't hesitate, we don't draw back, we don't put Him on pause, but we are instant in our response to His prompting, instant in our response to His leading. I can't tell you how valuable this is. And I can't tell you how important it is that we learn in areas that aren't life-threatening so that when we are in positions where he needs a moment of quick obedience, that we don't wait and make him prove himself before we respond. I'm going to go ahead and, and just from the beginning give you some examples. I remember um, being in service, leading worship, and I got done with the worship part of the service, and I handed the service over to Pastor Steele. And at the time, uh, one of my children had, was still at home, and they said, one of my older children was still at home, and they said that they weren't feeling well, so I had allowed them to stay home. It was a Sunday evening. And I handed the, the microphone over to pastor, and it was one of those kind of services where, you know, I danced and I was, I was a little bit wet. I was going to go get a drink of water and dry my face off. And so I was walking down the middle aisle of the sanctuary there in the Kansas location. And as I am, the Holy Spirit said to me, go home now. And so Marie Price was with me as my assistant that night. She had followed me out to see if I needed anything. I looked at her and I said, I've got to go home now. And we lived in that community, so we were only just like three minutes from the house. And, and she didn't hesitate. She said, I'm ready. And so my purse was there in the, in the office outside by the water fountain. I grabbed my purse. We got in my car. And when we pulled onto the street... There was a car in my driveway that wasn't in my driveway when I left. And when I walked up the stairs of that house, there was an adult in my house 
planning to do something with my minor child. And I got there just in time. It would not have been well. It would not have went well had I hesitated and said, I'll wait till the service is over. I'll call and check. No, he said, go home now. And it was so, it was so clear to me that I didn't hesitate. I didn't pause. I didn't put it off. I immediately went home. One of the things that I had begun to pray when my children became teenagers, <laughs> I began to pray, Lord, don't let my children get away with any deception because I don't want them to have to wait until they become adults to learn how dangerous it is. I want them to get caught for them to be able to, to answer that wrong while they're in the safety of my house. Pastor Steele came up one day and he had the look on his face and I was like, what, what? He walked up the stairs and he said, the Lord, he was downstairs praying. He said, the Lord just told me to go into the right hand dresser drawer of one of our children. And, and so there he went. He walked right in. This was, a, this was one of those dressers that had three dresser drawers on the top and then two you know, like uh, two on each side on the two lower rows. And the Lord had been specific. The right-hand dresser drawer at the back of the drawer. We need that kind of clarity, don't we? And he found the cigarette she was hiding. So that we were able to say, that's not going to happen. And be able to, and, and that, that, our oldest, she said, I couldn't get away with anything. God told y'all everything. Hallelujah. But had we not been able to hear, had we just put it off, had we had so many other things in our, our minds, it would have been a detriment because he would not have been able to help us in, in raising our children. That's what Pastor Pastor Caldwell, in his book, The Heart of the Pastor, he talks about the need for a pastor to pastor supernaturally. We need the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit because he'll tell us things we need to know. He'll tell us things to put us out ahead of those things. I was driving back from Kansas, or from Little Rock, uh, after one of our weekend services here, I was driving back to Kansas. This was before we had moved down and made this our home base. And on my way back, I have a certain, I've been driving this route for a while because I was driving this route when we were coming to film. So even before we began pastoring eight years ago, I've been pastoring this church eight years. Woo! Glory to God. But even before then, I've been traveling this route in between Kansas and Arkansas for a number of years because I came down every month to film at VTN. But I was on my way back, and you know, because I've traveled so much, I don't stop at random places because you don't know what kind of bathrooms. You got to, first of all, check out those bathrooms and make sure it's a clean place to stop and it's well lit and all those good things. And so I have certain places that I like to stop. When Lily goes with me, we stop at Jelly Bean Junction. It's called Hillbilly Hideout. But we call it Jelly Bean Junction because we get jelly beans. 
they have the jelly belly stand there at the jelly bean place. So, so we get jelly beans at the jelly bean junction. We've got certain places that we stop everywhere. And so I had already stopped at my last stop, and I had fueled up, and I had plenty of fuel, but I was coming up on Jasper exit, and the Lord said, go ahead and get off this exit and, and refill your, your tank. And, and I, the thought arose in me, I don't need fuel. And, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm good for my last exit here. And, but the prompting came again. It was just a, a soft, it wasn't danger, Will Robinson kind of things. It was, it was just, go ahead. Just like, hey, I got a great idea. Go ahead and stop at this next exit and go ahead and just top off your tank. That's the word he used, top off your tank. Because I had, it was not even down at, the, at three quarters at this point. And so he's just go ahead and top off your tank. And I, I've, I, I said, okay. And I just meandered my way into the truck stop, into the stop there at Jasper. And I fueled up, topped off my tank. I think I even got a, a bottle of unsweet tea and, and came out. And I'm going to just finish my trip on up and... When I got to Harrisonville, I knew why the Lord had had me stop. Because there had been an accident in the road just moments before me. It would not have been maybe 15 minutes difference. This accident had like multiple cars involved and it was covering the whole interstate. And, and I thought, that's why God had me stop. Before that, I just thought he was, you know, telling me to top off my tank. So I thought, okay, whatever. I'm good with that. I'll just go ahead. and You know me, I like to have that tank full. But I realized, and, and what struck me was that he didn't pressure me to do it. It wasn't frantic. He just, in a way that was, hey, just go ahead and stop here and top off your tank. Now, if I would have overridden that, like, nah, I don't want to. I would have overridden my protection. Do you see? He didn't have to come to me with, you need to stop for 15 minutes because it's going to be danger if you don't. He didn't have to tell me all the details. He just spoke to me in a way that changed my course giving him that extra 15 minutes to put me behind the danger. Hallelujah. But if I would have said that didn't sound like danger, I'm going to, I don't want to, I'm going to override it. Do you see? We've got to recognize that it's not always going to be something like that one time he said to me, go home now. It was strong. It was loud. It was, it was, it was very, um, it was very clear, but the other was just a prompting. It was just, you know, the, the um, writer, Luke, the writer of the gospel, Luke, he said, it seemed good to me to write to you, O Theophilus. He wrote the gospel of Luke, the most detailed account we have of some of the miracles of Jesus, the most detailed account. Do you know why he wrote it? 
Not because God appeared to him in a dream. Not because he had this grand uh, supernatural encounter with an angelic visitor that said, you need to write all of these details. He wrote it because it seemed good to him. We need to learn to recognize what seems good to our spirit. We need to learn how to recognize that it doesn't have to be loud or dramatic or boisterous or emphatic even for me to follow. If it's him, he knows best. If it's him, he's telling me for a reason. And he may not always want to tell me the details of the reason. He doesn't always have to tell me the details for me to obey him. I need to learn to trust in his leading. I made a statement this morning. I want to make it again. If God thought we only needed occasional teachings, he would never have put the Holy Spirit to reside in us 24 hours a day. The reason he placed the Holy Spirit in us is so that we have access to his help, to his wisdom, to his teaching at all times. He, he is our, our teacher. Jesus said, he's just like me. And Jesus was the teacher to the disciples. And the disciple says, how can it be better for you to go? Wait a minute. You're the one who walked on the water. You're the one who fed the 5,000. You're the one who turned the water into wine. You're the one who, who multiplied the fish. And the, you're the one who made the blind to see. And the, you're the one. How can it be better for you to go away and leave us? And Jesus said, this is how. I, the Father will send a comforter. He's just like me. He teaches just like I teach. And he'll be able to be resident, a resident teacher in every believer. He'll be with you. He won't be limited to a geographical location. He'll go with you everywhere you go. And he'll teach you from the inside in a way that Satan can't manipulate. Satan can't duplicate. Satan doesn't know how to give the inner witness. Satan doesn't, he can't, he can't bring that inner testimony, that inner witness that the Holy Spirit can. He could bring a dream. Satan could bring a dream. He could bring an angelic visitation. He appears with, with that deception of trying to look like an angel of light. He could, he could have somebody stand over you and speak a word and make it sound like it's from God. But if it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, we are in a place that the Old Testament believers or the Old Testament saints weren't in. We have the resident teacher living in us consistently, living in us continually. He's there to help us learn what we need to fix so that we can live the life that God has intended for us. Hallelujah. So here in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For as many 
as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this is part of our inheritance. Unbelievers don't have the promise of His leading. People who don't walk with God, who don't have His uh, Son's blood washing them and, and redeeming them, they don't have the promise of His leading. But we have the leading of the Lord as the heritage of a son. This word son is a word that speaks of mature adult children or children who are progressively in their maturity moving to a, a, a greater level. It wouldn't be a baby. Why? Because when we mature, part of that maturity is I follow him. It's hard to gain spiritual maturity and ignore the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get far in our growth with God if we do not respond to, to the teacher. Amen? So part of that maturing process is becoming dependent upon the teacher who is in our heart. And so ask yourself... Do I expect to be led by God? How often do I depend on His leading? Do I go into my situation just thinking, I'm going to figure this out with my own ability, with my, the best I can do, and then if I get in a, in a tight place, I'll call on God. If I find myself stuck in the situation, then I'll go to God and I'll start seeking God. What we want to train ourselves to do is to live dependent. You remember when we were talking about humility? We found out that definition of humility means entire dependence on God. Jesus said, I don't, none of the words that I speak, they're not mine. They're my Father's words. The miracles I do, they're not mine. It's the Father's miracles. The works that I do, they're not mine. It's the Father's work. It's the Father in me. I'm entirely dependent on the Father. And so we need to be dependent on the voice, the leading, the guiding of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life. We don't need to go at anything thinking, I got this. Yeah. Amen? We need to think about this. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's one side. The other side is leaning to your own understanding. Don't do that. And, and so how do we trust in the Lord and not lean? Well, the next verse says, In all your ways, all of them, all of them, your health, your relationships, your finances, your future, your plans, all of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Don't ignore Him. Don't override Him. Don't exclude Him from the plans. Acknowledge Him. I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. Rick Renner and his wife were in the United States. This is a number of years ago. 
They were in the United States for a conference. I think it may have been at Rob Thompson's up in Illinois. They were um, there for a couple of days. It was the first night of the conference. They were so excited about seeing all of their ministry friends that they had not seen in a number of years. They were excited about the fellowship before. They were going to have dinner that night before the service, get to fellowship with all of the ministers that were in that conference, his friends, her friends. They were excited about it. And during the day... He began to, to, in his heart, the Holy Spirit began to tell Brother Rick, don't go to church tonight. And he, he pulled it right up here in his reasoning, and he said, don't go to church. Why would God tell me not to go to church? And then he began to say, all my friends are going to be there. And I'm so looking forward to getting to visit with all of my friends. I'm so looking forward to being in the meeting tonight. This is something that I've been waiting for. Don't go to church tonight. And so he he told his wife, "I, I feel like the Lord is telling me not to go to church tonight. Oh, but, and so he agonized all day long. He talked about it. He, he ran it over in his mind and he finally said, I'm going to go. And she said, are you sure you can stay home if you want? I'll go without you. Because God wasn't telling her not to go, right? So I'll go without you. You can stay home. And he goes, no, I'm going to go. I want to see my friends. And so he said there was a knock on his door, and he thought that's the, the, the driver coming to get us. And he said, we'll be right down. And so if they got everything ready. They went on down and, and realized, wait a minute, that maybe the driver went to go get the car or whatever. In a few moments, the man pulled up, and they, he gets in the car, and he begins Again, he's sensing right here, don't go to church tonight. And he says, Denise, I can't explain it, but I just feel like I'm not supposed to go tonight. And he talked about it so much, the driver says, excuse me, Mr. Renner, do you want me to take you back? I can take you back to the hotel. He was halfway to the church. And he said, no, 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 I'll just go to the hotel or go on to the church. And so he's still talking about it. And again, the driver says, do you want me to take you back? I can drop Mrs. Renner off and I can take you back to the hotel if you need to go back. And he goes, no, I'm at least going to go in and say hello to everybody. And so he, he's starting to go in and he finally decides, he, I guess he goes in and realizes, I just can't take it. Looks at his driver, says, go ahead and take me back. And he's mad. He's mad. He said, well... Since I don't get to stay and eat dinner with all of my friends, drive me through the hamburger place. And so while he's there at the hamburger place, he says, I forgot uh, I needed some toothpaste. So I I told the driver, I'm going to walk right here to this convenience store and grab me some toothpaste out of the Circle K or whatever it was, 7-Eleven. And he said, I got back in the car. I had my hamburger and fries. I had my toothpaste. And so he takes me back and I'm like, I'm going to be alone in the hotel while my wife is there getting to visit with all of our friends and have a great service and time in the Lord. And he's fuming about this and he's walking down the hallway to his room and he goes to reach out his hand for the door to his hotel room and the door's open. And he pushes the door the rest of the way open and he sees that all of his belongings have been ransacked. He said, there was enough time for the thief to open up my wife's jewelry bag and pull out the good and throw aside the costume jewelry that wasn't expensive. 
and took all of her good diamonds and her good emeralds and rubies and, and threw aside what they didn't want. He said, in my room was a computer that had three books that I had spent like five years working on that I did not have a backup to. And then he realized why the Holy Spirit was telling him, don't go to church. He said, it was very, very difficult. It took weeks to get their paperwork, all their documents from, because he had uh, the church in Russia, all of his documents. They had to, to go through all kinds of legal issues to get his visa so that he could go back to Russia because they were, they, 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 it was a lot of just difficult uh, legal things and hoops that he had to jump through to get everything back that was lost. There were some things he never got back. He said, fast forward about seven or eight years, and he and his family had planned a family vacation they had, because they're over there in Russia, they had planned, I think it was in Sri Lanka, to have a vacation, and they were flying family in from other parts, you know, of Europe and other parts of the world, uh, uh, probably from the United States to come over. He said it was a big thing that took us a lot of planning. We had planned it out. We had saved our money. We had made arrangements for other family members to fly in and to be a part of it. And he said, a week before the vacation, I began to sense the Lord telling me to cancel it. And he said, I did not hesitate. I went to Denise and said, Denise, this is the same exact way that I felt that day in the hotel room. The Lord is telling me that we need to cancel this vacation I don't know why, I have no understanding of why, but I can tell you it is the very same way that he dealt with me when all of that was stolen. They canceled it. Denise said, absolutely, cancel it. They got whatever they could get back, they were able to get back. What they couldn't, they took a loss on. They made the arrangement. They didn't, you know, their whole family saying, why? Why? I can't explain why, but I'm telling you, it's the same way the Lord dealt with me before. The day they were scheduled to be in that hotel on that beach, a tsunami hit. That hotel was the center of it they would have all lost their lives. Now, those are dramatic examples. But they are examples that we need to learn how he speaks to us in those insignificant moments, in those small things, so that when we have life-changing decisions... We make those decisions and we, we follow those promptings immediately. Amen. Hallelujah. So God, God would prefer to teach you about which is the better choice of car to buy. 
He'd rather teach you on those small, smaller things. Things that, you know, like, how, how should I plan this? Which should I take here? What should I do here? If you're acknowledging Him in all of your ways, then the, the avenue is open for Him to speak to you. The avenue is open. And then remember what it was like when He spoke to you previously. Because that's how you become familiar with His voice, how you learn to follow His leading. So we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 this morning. And I want to just pick up from verse 14. I don't want to go back through all of it. 1 Corinthians 2, we found out that He has given us His Spirit so that we may know those things. He's given us His Spirit to help us know things. He's specifically in verse in this text talking about knowing things that are freely given to us of God, knowing things that God has prepared for us. But we know that it's accurate from John chapter 15 and 16 to know, I think we put the echo on this microphone. I'm, I got my echo working now. Uh, he, we know from John 15 and 16 that the Holy Spirit will show us things. He'll reveal things. He'll rehearse things to us. When we look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we know that it's appropriate for us to say He's given us His Spirit so that we can know things. That we can know things that can't be known through natural means. There was no other way for, for me to know that I needed to go home at that moment and, and, and walk into my house. There was no other way for me to know it. He had to use His Spirit to my spirit. Right? There was no other way for me to know that I needed to give 15 minutes where I was behind schedule of what I was on that road that day. And so... There was no other way other than him dealing with me in my spirit by his spirit. There are things he wants us to know. And so the more we interact and have, have this open avenue of communication, the more the Holy Spirit can speak to us, the more he can reveal to us. Now, 14 of this chapter says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And the word discern means examined, investigate, to inspect it, to scrutinize it. And, and this morning, we gave the idea of that jeweler's eye, that you can look at a diamond but if you get those jeweler's eye that they use and you look through that jeweler's eye, you'll see things that your natural eye doesn't pick up. Details of the situation. That's discerning. Now, discerning is not a, 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 a gift of the Spirit. Some people say, you know, they, I've got the gift of discernment, not in the Bible. What they usually have is the gift of suspicion. And it's not a spiritual gift, right? I've got the gift of discernment. I can tell, no, you, you, you just looking at that person 
cockeyed, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm watching you, Kazowski. And when, you might have a toddler if you got that joke, right? It, when we have our, our um, discernment, we're not talking about that gift where, of discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is actually seeing or hearing into the spirit realm to see whether it be angels, whether it be a vision of Jesus, whether it be uh, the uh, whatever demon is behind that operation, that's actually hearing or seeing into the spirit realm. That's a gift of the spirit. But we're talking about discerning, discerning with our born-again spirit, investigating something, examining something, looking through that jeweler's eye, at that which God is revealing to us so that we can see the details of it. And so he says, the natural man, he can't do that. He can't pick up or recognize or know the things of the Spirit of God because the things of the Spirit of God are examined and investigated and inspected spiritually. I'm going to say it again. The things of the Spirit of God are examined spiritually. They are investigated with my spirit. They are, they are, um, they are scrutinized or, or uh, investigate. What's the other word I used here? Scrutinized to inspect. That's the other word I like, inspect. This is all definitions from the Strong's Concordance for this word discern. To inspect it. With that jeweler's eye looking and saying, that's a beautiful diamond. That is beautiful. That is a revelation from God. That's how pastor ends up being the sermonator. He looks at something and he plans to preach it once. And 12 sermons later, when he's on part 22... Why? Because the more he looks at it, he's scrutinizing it. He's looking at it spiritually. The more he looks at it, I I say this about Pastor Caldwell. The thing I like the most about Pastor Caldwell's teaching is the first sermon in that series, he shows this side. And then you come back and he's preaching on the next sermon in the series and he shows you another angle. And then in the next sermon, he shows you another angle. And by the time he gets done with the sermon, you've seen every different side of that truth. You've seen that truth from anger. It's like Pastor Caldwell has this supernatural way to take an object and to show you this side of it and to show it from this angle and to show this side of it. And by, and by the time he's done, you've got a clear understanding. That's the office of the pastor. That's the gift of the pastor. But that's the Holy Spirit working through him to bring the people of God into understanding. To bring us into a place where we can know all those different angles of it. We've inspected it. That the pastor is getting up and he's teaching that topic, helping us learn how to inspect it, to look at it from this angle and this angle and this angle. Hallelujah. So that we can be skilled in the word. When, so how do we learn 
to spiritually discern. That's what I want to answer in the few moments that we have left tonight. How do we learn to spiritually discern a thing, to examine, investigate, scrutinize it, check it closely, inspect it? How, how can we become skilled in doing that? Well, it goes all the way back to recognizing the purpose of your born-again spirit. Let's look at Psalm 18, 28. Psalm 18 and verse 28. For you will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. God will light our candle. Now, also look at Proverbs 20 and verse 27. So Psalms, we saw the Lord will light our candle. Proverbs 20 shows us where that candle is. Verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle. My center column reference says lamp. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The, the belly is talking about your innermost being. It's not talking about your digestive system. It's talking about your core, the inside of, of you. And so the spirit of man, God lights the spirit of man in salvation. When we are born again, all the lights come on. Amen? The lights are on. And so he, he lights our candle... And the candle, we need to translate and meditate because we use candles for different purposes. I only burn a candle because they smell good. I don't need a candle for light. I have light bulbs, right? I'll turn the lamp on. I'll, I'll turn the lights on. But the light is what he's talking about. So we could say the spirit of, the, of a man is the light bulb of the Lord. It's the flashlight of the Lord. It's the, 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 the light fixture in your, your room so that you can see. Why do you turn the lights on? Because you need to see to do things. If you've ever walked through the house in the middle of the night without turning the lights on and stepped on the dog's bone or tripped over a Lego, Legos are painful. Monster truck, ooh, that would hurt the toe. Monster truck on the toe. A piece of furniture, ottoman or something that was left sitting, pushed out or whatever. You realize, I need light <laughs> to get through this room safely. My dog has this squeaky toy. And I step on that toy in the dark, trying to, trying to be quiet. And, it goes, and it's, it's like when you go down, it makes one noise, and when you pick your foot back up, it's going to make it like a grenade or something. You put your foot down, and you pull it up. So you're like, I don't want to move my foot now. I don't want to make any more noise. We need the lights. So the spirit of man is the light. 
This is how God enlightens us. This is how God wants to bring understanding to us, revelation to us. He wants to bring to us information that's not limited to having to come through my eyes or through my ears or through somebody else teaching me something. That's good, and I need the, the part that I can get through somebody else teaching me something, but there, then, then I'm limited to what other people can teach me, Right? So the light is in my heart. I need to learn how to educate my spirit. Your spirit can be educated like your head can be educated. When you, when you educate your mind, you produce intellect. When you train your physical body, you produce muscles. But when you educate your spirit, you produce the fruit of the spirit. And so this educating of the spirit... The Word of God is necessary. When, when I get, if I get a, a new Mac computer, the first thing that I have to do with that computer is it comes with the, the iOS system software. It comes with that. And the first thing that they want to do is they've got to install any updates to that iOS system. Same thing with a PC. There is a, a system that all of the different apps that you want to run need, they need that system, whether it be a Microsoft system or the Mac iOS system. You can't just say, well, I don't want the Mac iOS. All I want is I need a Word program you know, I need this kind of program, but I don't want the system that runs all those. Right? I, I got, are y'all following? You, you know the difference between your operating system and the different applications you work on in your computer. Right? Well, the Word of God downloads and provides the foundation for all of the apps of the Spirit to run on. If we don't have the operating system of the Word, we don't have anything for those apps to work on. That There's no base for them. There's no landing place for them. There's no way for them to safely be downloaded into our life. The Word provides that safe uh, uh, foundation for the leading of the Spirit. And that's why in my book, Escaping Hell, I talked about five things, five fundamental things that God used to help me get from where I was when I, I came off of drugs and accepted Jesus as Lord to where I am today. And one of them is to know how to hear God in His Word. And then the last one was knowing how to follow His Spirit. Because we've got to have the Word to know how to discern. We can't discern things clearly. We can't inspect things clearly. We can't examine things clearly if we don't have the Word as the base to compare it to. And because a lot of people are lacking knowledge, they're taking a lot of prophecies that are going around in the body of Christ and getting distracted. Not y'all. We're talking about some other people. You might know them. 
because they are being led by the prophecies. Prophecies are supposed to confirm for the New Testament believer. The New Testament believer is not to seek a word from a prophet. The New Testament believer is not to be led by the word of prophecy. The New Testament believer, it's a confirmation. The, the gift of prophecy exhorts, edifies, and comforts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. That's what it does. We're not to be led by words of wisdom or words of knowledge. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit. If a word of wisdom comes and it does not have peace in my heart, I'm going to put it on the shelf. Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen, who has one of the most accurate ministries that I know of, when he would get ready to tell somebody something the Lord was showing him, he would tell them, if this doesn't mean anything to you, disregard it. Because I'm not here to tell you this to lead you. Amen? So we need that basis. Hallelujah. We need that, that operating system of the word. Glory to God. The word. Psalm, let's look at Psalm 119. I've got just a couple of things here, and then we're going to uh, pause until further notice. Psalm 119. Siri thinks I'm talking to her. 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. It's a familiar verse to most of us. But look at it in the understanding of the fact that the spirit of man is the light bulb. Psalm 119 and verse 130 says, The entrance of your words gives light. Where does it give light? To the light bulb. The entrance gives light. When you receive revelation knowledge... It doesn't come to your head. Your head is not the landing place for revelation knowledge. When God reveals, he reveals to your spirit. And then your job is to take that revelation up and renew the mind with it. See, that's why the renewing of the mind is an ongoing process. Because the more as the revelation comes... I receive that revelation, and then I don't just go, whoa, that was great. Whoa, that was wonderful. I, I enjoyed that. No, no, no. Now I've got to say, I've got to change my way of thinking because I just saw something about how that works. And so I've got to, so write it down. Mark it. Go back and listen to it if it was a sermon that it came through. If that revel, when that revelation comes, then you've got to apply it to your understanding. So the entrance of the words of God, the word of God, it gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. We need the understanding that comes from the word. So one of the greatest ways for the Holy Spirit to speak to us is through the written word. If we want to learn how he speaks, spend time in the written word, he's speaking in the word. The Holy Spirit is always speaking in the Word of God. And when we, when we hear... When, have you been reading something 
and it spoke to you, and you're like, I got something out of that. That, that really, it came alive to me. The Holy Spirit brought life to it. It became rhema to you as you were reading it. It went from logos to rhema by the revelation power. The Spirit of God worked with that scripture. Y'all, I was only saved a few weeks. I had not been saved long. I was still sleeping on the couch of the people who had taken me to that revival service. We were still in revival. I had been in revival that night. They, we had, had got home from the revival meeting, and I got a phone call threatening to kill me. The, the family of my late husband, they had had some crazy, they, they always had some crazy going on, going on. And so someone had broken in and stolen the ashes of my late husband, and they thought it was me. And so they called and said, we're coming to kill you tonight. And all I could think of was how, what a good shot that woman was. I mean, that woman carried and she wasn't playing. I mean, she was, when we, we, we'd been at target practice and stuff before, she was, she would hit the mark. I'm telling you, I'm just, and so I'm only saved a few weeks. I'm like, Lord, they're coming to kill me. And I told the people that I was staying with and they said, well, we don't think they know where we live, so we're okay. You just go on to sleep. And so they went on to bed. You know, they had to work the next day and everything. And so they went on to, to bed and I'm sitting there, only saved a few weeks, y'all. But I'd been in church each night for probably about two weeks. And, um, and I'm sitting there with my 25 cent Bible. I couldn't sleep. Every time I heard a car come by the house, I, I, I listened even closer to see if it was slowing down to pull in the driveway, like they're going to pull in the driveway and just come right up to the door, right? And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and my mind is going, you know, 90 to nothing. I'm sitting there uh, worried. I'm upset. I'm agonizing over this, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, I've been in church. I'm trying to do right. And I took that 25-cent Bible that I got from the thrift store, and I plopped it open like this. And I, I didn't expect what happened to me. I didn't expect it at all. But I just glanced down. And when I glanced down, I saw this scripture stand up on the page. It was like it was, un it was under light, magnifying it, like it was pronounced. And I looked down and I read it. Y'all want to know what it said? I, even I... Am he that comforts you? Who are you that you should be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man which shall be made as grass? I shut my Bible. I don't have to be afraid. No matter how good of a shot she is, he is the one who's comforting me. I was so excited that God spoke to me. How did he speak to me? He spoke to me through the word. Now, I can't tell you that I ever propped my Bible open and it supernaturally opened up to the exact page and, a, and one scripture stood out on the page. I haven't had that happen since then, but there have been plenty of times that I've been reading and spending time, and as I'm reading, that same way that he spoke to me, it, it, it becomes energetic to me. That word just becomes something that gets me thrilled, something that excites me. And I know he's talking to me. 
And, and I'll go into my day and find out that was the scripture I needed for what I'm facing today. He's already loaded my guns. He has already prepared me for this situation. Hallelujah. The same way, the first time that I ever heard him speak something to me, it wasn't strange because he'd already been speaking to me. And he didn't sound different when he spoke here than when he spoke to me here in the page. His voice didn't change. He didn't become some psychedelic music in the background or something weird like that. No, the same, the same sense that I had when I knew he was speaking to me from the scripture was the same sense when he spoke to me in my spirit. Hallelujah. So the word is the entrance of the light so that we can see and so that we can make decisions. I have two other things in Psalm 119. Let's look at Psalm 119.98. We're going to kind of bounce around this. And I'll tell you, pastor's been preaching out of this chapter. I mean, praying out of this chapter. He's been taking this chapter and just praying it. And he, he has stirred me about it because he said, I've been praying that chapter, and the more I pray the chapter, the more I'm seeing things in the Word. The more I'm understanding, the more revelation I'm getting. So I hope you're stirred about it too. Psalm 119, verse 98. I've been talking now. I'm finally there. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. For they, your commandments, are ever with me. So through his word, through his command, his instruction, his word, he makes us wise. Wiser than our enemies. Hallelujah. We need that to be able to discern, to examine, to look at things spiritually. We need the word to give us this wisdom. And then one final scripture, the next verse. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for my testimonies are my, for thy testimonies are my meditation. So there are things that he can get to us that pastor might not be teaching about right now, but he can help us find it. Amen. There are things that doesn't disqualify our need for, for teachers and leaders in the body of Christ, but it's saying, I'm not limited to just what they happen to be on right now. I might need something specific for a specific area of my life, and he can show me that. So I need what I can get from my teachers. I need what I can get from the, the gift of the pastor. I need that, but I'm not just limited to eat what, whatever. I can, I've got other meals provided by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. The, His Word is the operating system, the foundation, the basis that needs to be established so that we don't get kooky. We don't want to be kooky. Kooky Christians. We don't want to have it just that, I, I want something spectacular. 
I want something that's wow. I want something wild. I want something that's off the charts. I want something that's, that's cut, cutting edge. No, I want something that's middle of the road. I want something that's sound. Because I'm building a life here. I'm not just trying to be entertained for a moment. I'm not coming to church to be entertained. I'm not coming to church to be wowed. I'm coming to church to get what I need from God and know what I need to know from God so that I can build the life He wants me to have. Amen? So we don't want to, we don't want to demand... Let me say it this way as well as I'm at my final close. We don't want to demand that God perform a certain way. We don't want to require that we go to church and if, it, if it's not bouncing off the walls... I'm not impressed because the Holy Spirit, he's not, he's not performing. Our worship team, we say we are not the house band and we're really not singing to you. We're leading up the whole congregation in song. We're singing to him. He's the audience. We're just leading the, the, the charge, setting that, that tone, we don't want to be trained to have to have it a certain way and just not think the Holy Spirit moved if it wasn't dramatic. Because some of the most profound things that He has done in my life Nobody else knew he, he did it in me. Nobody else knew it. I got something and I went home and put it to work and my whole life changed. And it wasn't one of those sermons that was explosive, but it sure exploded in me. Amen? So it is just as much the Holy Spirit in that soft teaching as it is when the Holy Spirit gets us so excited, we run. They're both appropriate. We're, we're not dissuading the one from the other, but we're saying, let's be spiritually alert enough, spiritually knowledgeable enough to know that if it's quiet and it's soft, it is just as much the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll tell you, I know Pastor Caldwell, he says of himself, I am the mild-mannered Clark Kent. And he says that in comparison to some of his, his uh, constituents who are more uh, dramatic. And he'll even say to, you know, Pastor Steele, he'll preach and, and get you, you know, bouncing off the walls or running the aisles or whatever. But I'm the mild-mannered Clark Kent. But Pastor Caldwell goes somewhere in his teachings, in the Spirit. He'll say some things that when, if, you'll, if you're listening... It will land in you and move you forward in life. It is, it is just as important to me as those other kind of meetings. Amen? So I'm not going to require that the Holy Spirit impress me. I'm not going to require that He do a certain thing for me to be impressed. I'm impressed just because it's Him. I'm impressed with the word, whether it's, it's the mild-mannered Clark Kent of my pastor Caldwell or the explosive, uh, uh, demonstrative method of my husband, yeah. Pastor Steele. Both are changing my life. All of it is the Holy Spirit. Amen?
Hallelujah. Let's honor the Lord in the tithe and the offering. He's been so good to us. Hallelujah. Y'all, I, I started with the whole page of notes and I only got through about half of it. So we'll pause. Come back another time. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.